0: Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, we're down here on Bondi Beach and it is dead flat. You can hear a tiny little shore break in the background, I'm sure, but that's it. Not one single surfboard. Oh, there's one. So today, carrying on from the blog I did on uh, the Inner Wealth site, I want to talk little bit about opinions and um, look I shared a few stories which I'll retell in case you didn't uh, follow that blog with a robot Uh, opinions are like assholes everybody has one and there's benefits and drawbacks to having an opinion opinions give us some sort of basis for knowing who we are we say, I am my opinion. But opinions are all based on lopsided thoughts. And what we have to be careful of is that such a things, our opinions, build a prison cell. Krishnamurti talked about this all the time in his teachings about the prison we build for ourselves out of our opinions and we get very attached to them so very often in a community or a family uh, or a business the squeaky wheel gets the most oil which means the loudest voice and it's usually the loudest voice has the most opinions and therefore is the dumbest person gets the most attention and that means the one who's the most emotionally outspoken or the one who's the most uh, critical of others, the one that has the most opinions, usually gets the most attention and the one who gets the most attention is quite often the dumbest person in the room because every opinion we have is based on lopsided uh, thought, emotion. Every stress we have is caused by an lopsided emotion, lopsided thought. So it seems on the surface that the way to get attention in life, for example, theater, it's all about opinions. It's all about emotions, stories, uh, music. It, it, it sort of it t- taps into your emotional baggage uh, and your emotional appetites, and so again, it encourages lopsided thoughts and so, in one way, we can 't live without them because that creates the story lines and the and the the why and the wherefores of our everyday life. but at the same token, what we said in that blog this morning was anything you have a lopsided view about runs your life. So we're attracted to things we see more positive than negative and we're repelled from things we see more negative than positive. So we say, I'm in love with you because I'm attracted. But that's actually two different topics, in love or love and attraction. Um, And staying in attraction in a relationship is very important. The way we do that, rather than to say I've met someone who is half a human is with consciousness we say I've met a whole person, a complete individual. They're going to have good news and bad news but I'm just going to focus on the good. Now, when we first meet somebody, that's easy. When we are with them for a period of time we start to meet their smelly socks and what have you you say Oof, uh, this isn't the person I thought I met that's just not love to say I love somebody is to say oh, there's good news and bad news here but I focus on the good every single person you meet even if you infatuate with the idea of breaking up and go and meeting somebody else somebody else gonna have good news and bad news very quickly you can have to reevaluate that situation of course the sand is really soft today and I'm puffing along here trying to shuffle my way through some very deep sand it's like walking in snow so every single enjoyable laughable story I tell comes from a situation in which i had a lopsided opinion a lopsided thought and emotion which caused and played havoc so that's storytelling so for example the story i told today was when i was younger and i was <coughs> completing my engineering degree i read all the books on ecology which said the world was coming to an end. If we don't stop consuming, if we keep polluting and we don't stop consuming, there'll be too many people and not enough biscuits to go around. And I mean, it was dead right. Uh, What happened uh, was COVID and a whole bunch of other stuff that came along and, you know, all different wars and things that reduced the population, malaria, And so they were dead, right? The world population couldn't grow at the rate it was, and nature looked after that topic. But I was sitting down with some people arguing about how the world was coming to an end if we didn't change things. And they were very academic and very qualified to discern whether I was telling bullshit or truth. And the professor at the table said, I think this guy's having us on. I burst into tears. It's just, it's a ridiculous thing to think that a grown man, would, you know, strong, healthy man would burst into tears, but I did. And I got up and left the table, fight flight. My opinions about the environment was where was the cage that I'd built myself into. And of course, if you look at enough books and those days the internet was not so easy as it is today but if you you go and research enough books you'll find people who who just write right into doing writing right into the pocket of where you believe is true if you for example go in a bookshop with someone and say "Uh, what are you looking for and they go i'm looking for some self-help and you go have you tried this one by the nazis and they go no no i'm looking for self-help that says happiness is something we all deserve. You go, oh, well, that book over there. They go, oh, good, I'll go and read that. So actually what they're reading is a book that tells them what they already think. It's quite funny how our research and the results of our research and the researcher's opinion are never, ever separate. We don't often listen to people who we disagree with Uh, and uh, search them out. We usually search for people who are telling us what we already think is the truth. Sometimes one of the reasons we go into a relationship with someone or even business with someone is because they agree with our bullshit. Their opinion and our opinion happens to be similar. We feel validated. Anyway, years later, I built a very big business and my family and everybody was benefiting from that business. Uh, I had 30, I don't know, times 50, but usually about 35 full-time staff and it was running very beautifully. And I was in a client's office. We'd been to dinner the night before at his home Uh, with his kids it was a cement plant an area where they're building a cement factory there were already three kilns they're building a fourth and i said and i noticed dust all over the house all over every cars everywhere i said what's this he goes oh that's a cement plant when the wind's blowing from the the north we get all the dust so i said you know it's carcinogenic he goes yeah it's not good he had four little kids running around the place so anyway Next day I said to him, Look, I can reduce this pollution. I already had a contract for just over half a million dollars and I said, I can reduce this pollution. I said, by putting an extra filter quality in that, in your system, but it's going to cost you, I think, $40,000. And he said, No. He said, The wind only blows from that direction every couple of weeks so really shouldn't worry about it too much i just burst into tears again and again my opinion that money and human health should never be in conflict uh, threw up my reaction and bursting into tears was was basically me giving up and I gave up with the professor at the table, and I ga- gave up arguing, and gave up. And this situation, I—I thought—I started an air pollution business to change the way people treat the planet and themselves. And here I am validating a guy who says forty thousand dollars is too much for the health and well-being of his family. So it's sort of a bit weird. But I walked out the door from that crying fit, the hissy fit, and stood on the balcony on the veranda of his office late in the afternoon before I drove back to the airport, and rang my business partner and said, I, I'm out, I can't do this anymore. Now, we sabotage anything we can't link to our purpose. And so in this case, my opinion, caused a reaction, but it was the spontaneousness of my action that is the thing that's in question. It was, there's no doubt that by moving on from air pollution control and realizing it was people I wanted to change, not the environment, the way people treat themselves and others, not the air pollution control. And I'd evolved and that's great. But the fact that I rang and said I want to get out of the business and I didn't do it very as a good leader just shows my immaturity as a businessman and things at the time. And it cost me, my estimate is $5 million because I just threw my my cards face up and said to my business partner and the licensee that we were dealing with in Germany, I want out. So I got shafted. And what I should have got, you know, a good amount of money for in the sale of my shares, I got nothing because they knew I wanted out emotionally. So I got punished and a little bit, we have to be mindful of this, that our emotions can, can cause knee jerk. And when we have knee jerk reactions, we always get, we pay the price. We feel good in the in the immediate moment because we have an opinion and that gets validated. But it's not necessarily the wisest way to act. Same with reaction to people. So our opinions are the prison cell. And most people spend their lives decorating their prison cell. Now, this is again Krishnamurti talking, and Krishnamurti is one of the greatest writers. It was, he's a hilarious guy, I don't know if you know much about him. Um, but Krishnamurti was a, a child prodigy, that he was found, I think, at the age of eight, to have knowledge beyond his age. And he was schooled in the Theosophical Book Society, and he was schooled and they worshiped him and honored him. But in his later years, it was discovered um, at some point in time, that although he was married and a highly respected Indian scholar and worked out of the UK and did all sorts of amazing things, that Krishnamurti had been having an affair for most of his adult life and um, was naughty uh, in that context and uh, uh, there's nothing illegitimate about it. He wasn't with an underage person, but he just wasn't straight up and down. they got all pissed off and the whole institution sort of fragmented, but his writings still exist and he's a beautiful writer. Look, almost the quality of Rumi. And uh, anyway, he says, uh, his, one of his more famous statements is most, of, most people spend most of their lives decorating the prison cell. And the prison cell is of their own formation. So the f- prison cell is our opinions. We have an opinion about whether kids should watch TV and shouldn't watch. So the word should is the, 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 the base point of opinionatedness. And we borrow those opinions. And when there's a quote that says, we think that we think, we borrow those opinions from people who save us time thinking, which is like organized religion or um, self-help gurus who say, look, don't think, just follow this teaching. And and they say the teaching is true. So, you know, thou shalt not steal. And and, uh, um, uh, in the Buddhist Dharma, there are 10 do's and don'ts, shoulds and shouldn'ts. And in the Indian teaching of the Hindu text, there is the shoulds shoulds and shouldn'ts. So the shoulds and shouldn'ts just save people thinking. And it's very important because most people think what they think, they don't think, and therefore they really do want to be told what they should and shouldn't do. The problem with ca- this can be, doesn't have to be, but the problem with this can be that it sets up a, a cage in which we function, in which if we, shouldn't, if we say we shouldn't do something, we, we rattle the cage against our own uh, identity. And if we do something we should do, we feel like we've reinforced the cage at the boundary of our own identity and so I think it's very important to at a point of evolution one day to say I want to think that I think I want to think not think that I think and question all the shoulds and shouldn'ts and when you do that all your opinions start to become soft you go instead of saying it's wrong for a child to look at an iPad you go well I have an opinion about that, but I don't know if it's true or false. And, and because of, and in doing that, you create a much softer platform to, to be dealing with the kids or dealing with yourself, dealing with others. think that they think and I think one of the really important aspects of evolving as growing up is to be very wary of people with strong opinions you know he he's wrong and she's right and he's good and she's bad to be really wary about this sort of rhetoric because it's completely inappropriate all right I'm going for a dip I hope you have a beautiful day I hope that you don't build a prison cell out of your own opinions Cause yourself to be continually challenged by something you don't have to be. And I think one of the wisdoms of life is just to be careful of people with strong opinions because. to get a little jeepy here telling the swimmers the surfboard of dum-dums to get out of the flag. So on that basis, I'll let you go. Have a beautiful day. Be calm. Be soft with your opinions. Be flexible. Better to say, I think, something about somebody, rather than say, I know something about somebody. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day.